Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018. So I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8 p.m. to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyze stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Center. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. The stock market's looking fantastic right now and we have a very special show lined up to help you understand more about how to profit from it. Tonight we'll look at the world markets and give you our thoughts on where they are headed. We'll also get into our topic for tonight and share with you why the Australian stock market is poised for a record run. Like every show, we'll also answer your emails, take your questions, look at the stocks that you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. So sit back, make yourself comfy and get ready for another great Australian stock market show. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, Senior Investment Analyst here at Wealth Within. Joining me tonight, I've got Dale Gillam, of course, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. You're a senior investment analyst, is that what you just said? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I just call you the best female trainer I've ever met. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but that's fantastic. It's good. We got a lot of we had a lot of feedback from the last show. Did we? Did uh, we get a record number last week? Yeah, we did actually. We got a lot of people watching, and then a lot of people watching it after the show. I think um, by. 7 a.m. in the morning, we'd had a record number of people actually watching the show. So thanks, guys, and uh, thank you for telling your friends about it and getting it out there because really, you know, Janine and I put a lot, a lot of effort into this show, getting it ready to give you the information. It just doesn't sort of magically happen. Um, we don't just walk in, sit out, put my tie on and sit down and start talking, although we and both we can do that. we sometimes argue about what we're going to share with you oh, we, we We argue a lot, sort of like an old married couple sometimes, <laughs> isn't it, when we're having a big discussion, but... Uh, it is exciting and we do want to bring you stuff that you want and, and that's really what's important for you or for us to, to give you exactly what you like and what's helping you. But one, we, one thing we can't do is obviously with YouTube with a lot of depth we can't put into what we're talking about and often, you know, Janine and I goes, oh, I'd love to talk a lot more about that, but the depth will just... Uh, spin your heads, I suppose. If I'm, uh, you know, in terms of a scale of one to ten, I often say to people when they're talking to me about, you know, trading and and the show, and go, "Wow, you're teaching me to trade." And I go, "Look, if you call, if I'm a number ten and you're a number ten, that's 10, about that much of what you need to know. Well, it's a fifteenth it? of that much, pretty much. But mm. it's like if they consider, if you consider Janine and I to be ten on the scale of how good we are in terms of a scale of one to ten. Mm then what we're talking about on this show is like not even one on the scale of what we're teaching people, what we do teach people in our diploma course and everything else. And so, you know, sometimes I've had people say to me, oh, well, you're teaching me how to trade. I reckon I can trade full time by watching your show. And I, and, and I went, seriously? Like it's, it's, you don't know how to trade. That's like you don't, you don't understand. You don't know what's really involved. Yeah. I guess it's, you, you know, you only know what you know. 
Yeah, when you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, where you're at. Yeah, and Mm. people think, oh, well, I learned this and I learned that and it's so fantastic. And what we're teaching you is solid stuff. It's the basis for what you need to know. It's a good foundation, Mm. really. It's the start of it. But we're just scratching the surface. Mm. And really, that's why those people, for want of a better way of saying it, without being rude to people, is they don't even know how ignorant they are of what they don't know. Mm. It's That point is like, I don't know what I don't know, and, and but they're thinking they can trade full-time on what we're talking about. You can't. I don't think there's one show in the last six months we've actually said what a buy and sell rule is. Oh, I think I did, remember? Did you? Yeah, I, I, show? I let it no, Don't even tell them which show. Let them watch them all. <laughs> um, but I don't remember either of us talking about a buy and sell rule, about what our rules are around buy and sell rules, and exactly what oh, we're buying specific. and what we buy. No. Yeah, okay. And Mm -hmm. if it was you talking about one, it would have been a very loose way of doing it. Yeah. And yet, what's the important thing you need to understand first is direction, strength. The big picture. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's what we talked about last week. And we're going to talk about it this week. Yeah. The monthly chart's great for that, isn't it? You just need to look at the monthly charts and make sure that that's what you're focusing on Mm. initially. And I'm getting, I'm really excited about tonight's chart. I think it's going to be great. But before we get stuck into the show, um, remember that we can help you. We do need you to put your questions into the chat box, which is onto the right of the screen. So do that. Remember, you've got to be logged in to do that. Moving on, um, it's the third Tuesday of the month. So that means that we're going to have a look at the world market. Yay. So it's exciting, isn't it? So let's get onto the charts. Um, can we bring up the, um, the the Optima charts, please? Okay. So what do you got on the screen? We've got the world On indices. the screen, okay. Well, what have we got there? We've got the Hang Seng, um, Dow Jones, Industrial Average, um, the Nikkei, which is one of the f- um, favourite ones to look at. Mm. Uh, the DAX, which it's, it's fascinating to see how um, that market's gone over recent times. NASDAQ, Australian All Ordinaries Index, which you guys all know very well. Straits Times Industrial Index, Shanghai Comp, um, S&P 500. So I just want to have a look at the one that's performed most. So this is this is the percentage change in the last month. So we've seen the Nikkei just really rocket off a 6.2% growth there. The Hang Seng 5.4. But if you look at the charts of these markets, you'll see the, the significant declines that they've had prior to these moves up. Um, which is fascinating. So, Dale, you've just sorted it so that it's large. You know, we're talking about the largest growth down to the lowest growth. And look at the Australian market there. Um, all ordinaries index up 1.25%. But we think that there's further up, um, upside yeah. for the Australian market. This is not market. the last 30 days. It's the calendar months from 1 September to To, to the current date in September. Yeah. Yeah. And if I change this to yearly, just quickly, yep. you'll see from 1 January. So this is 1 January. The NASDAQ's done really well. So yeah. the Shanghai, the S&P. So look at, look at the, di- the switch around, mm. though. In mm. the, the Hang Seng and the Nikkei were down the, towards the bottom. Yeah, they were. And the Asian markets are a lot different than the, the US market. And this is really where I get a lot of people, you get all the media. And I was talking about this on the US market report yesterday with Jim Beach, which we do every single Monday. So if you haven't seen it, we do it every Monday and it's syndicated across uh, the US. And, and it was like, when you look and listen to the media, all we should be looking at is the US market. And yet we're more aligned to the Asian markets, not the US market. When you look at these sorts of things, is our market moves a bit Generally, more than they yeah. move. Yeah. We've moved so much faster, mm. but we've moved um, faster. over the year, haven't we? Look at the All Ordinaries Index, um, mm. 18.8%, which is great. So mm. people think that they can make more money out of the higher risk markets like the Nikkei and, and the, the Hang Seng, but it can be a tricky, much trickier market to to predict than our market, I think. Oh, it is, it, and because they're a lot more volatile. But the, the, the scary thing about this is people look at that and say, well, the S&P 500's done 19.59%, so let's get yeah. into the US market. But what they don't realise is over the last uh, two years, since mm. one 
since January 2018, the S&P's done 9%. Okay. This 19% since the last few months. Yep. So it's not over that time. Oh, that was the year. That was year. This is, this is year to date. Yeah, year to date. Yeah, but it's done mm. most of that over the last yeah, few months. Yeah, because so. it, it's done a zigzag pattern. Hasn't Correct. It? Yeah. yeah. So and if we go back four back years, and then came come right back up to where it was trading at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. over the last four years, the S and P's done about forty percent. So mm. this is the thing: is some of these statistics get people a bit. Uh, they go, wow, I'll get into that. And it's like, yep. by the time they figure out they're going to get into it, the run's already So over. what you're saying is that they hear a, a quote of a percentage mm. or someone talk about it in the media mm. and then jump on it. Mm. But you know, we're showing you the same thing, yeah. but looking at the chart gives you a totally different view so on So let's things, look at the charts it? quickly. So we'll go to the Dow. The Dow's the first one yep. next to where you are now. So that's the Dow. That's what I was talking about. So you've got um, the weekly chart up there. Should we just have a quick look at the monthly? Yeah, fine. Flick it's over. A, you can flick over I'll, whatever you like. You're in control of the mouse. I am, but I don't seem to be at the It's moment. like the controller, <laughs> you know, the, the remote controller. Uh, you're it's in controlling the, me at the moment. All right. So looking at that, we can see there long term. I mean, the US market has mm. made a really steady incline towards that uh, 26, 28,000 um, point mark. And now it looks like it's trying to go higher, but it's an interesting pattern that's forming Correct. on the chart, isn't it? Like the highs are getting higher, but they're a lot slower than what they were along these sorts of moves. So it does that mean that there's, you know, potentially another move up and that's the end of the run? Well, that's what I was saying. When you look at the statistics we just saw, mm. they look different. They get people going, wow, the Dow's moving fast, the S&P's moving fast, I'll jump in onto the US market. But when you look at that, yeah. it's actually slowing down. That has slowed down a lot. You know, our market yeah. looks a lot more bullish than that. Mm. So that's the difference between the two. So again, you know, people who are ill-experienced will actually get tied up in short-term emotions. And we're going to yeah. sh show you how to sort of avoid some of that tonight. Okay, looking at the DAX there, we can see the um, similar sort of thing with the US market. And I'm on the monthly mm. chart here, as you can see, it's good practice. And looking at this, um, it's made new all-time highs, but has slowed down as well. Mm. A lot more volatile um, over recent times. The FTSE, looking at the FTSE, um, it's tried to recover back to that high. The whole Brexit scenario uh, caused the FTSE to go into a bit of a tailspin, and we saw this pullback mm. in August. And it's trying to recover now, but it's taken out this lower trough, this higher trough in June 2019. And, and so this month of August is pulled back below that low. That's generally not a great sign um, for a market, but we need to see it get back above this April 2019 high for it to be on its way again. So at the moment, just sideways. It's holding up all right, isn't it? It's holding yeah. up OK. I mean, there's really strong level across that 7,000 mm. or 6,950 point mark, which is good to see. But if it traded back below that, then I'd be thinking it's more or less going into a decline and yeah, absolutely. to stay away. So Hang Seng, um, see what we mean about the volatility of the Asian markets? Um, huge volatility, just to give you a bit of an idea I here. I think I should have cleaned these charts up. There's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're showing them some GAN and all sorts of stuff in here. No, so I was doing stuff for our students, so oh, okay. that's off. That was a recording, was it? Yeah. Okay. So looking at this here, we've got um, a bit of a move down here, 66%. Okay. And now our market went pulled back about 55% um, during 55 the GFC. 52. I think it was close to that 55. Yeah. But um, looking at that 66.6% on the decline. And that now it's actually just recovered through to a new all-time high, um, but it's trading below that level now. So that's what Dale was saying as Asian markets tend to be quite similar to, to our market. The Hang Seng has looked very similar to our market in terms of the overall pattern. Mm. And this is another thing why Dale talks about looking at the broader picture of the market because it gives you an impression of the type of stock or market that you're trading and the personality of it. 
I mean, it'd be a bit like, you know, you you got, you wanted to go on a date with somebody, but, you know, you see them their photo and you think, oh, they look nice and comments about them. But then you don't know what the history is and how they've how what the, what they've done in the past. Um, <laughs> so, but the chart actually shows mm. you what it's done, what that market's done. It's, there's no hiding. Don't it's, judge a book by its cover. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, Straits Times Industrial Index. Um, so we're looking at um, pretty volatility, huge volatility across the, um, the index. We can see that it, it's really struggled to get to a new high. So November 2010, mm. um, since then, it's it's failed that. So we need to see this index get above this April 2019 high to know that it's going on. Now, all other markets have made new all-time highs, so I'd expect that it would eventually mm. go through it. Um, but only time will tell. Singapore is really going ahead well at the moment. If you look economically, yeah. they're, they're great for businesses, you know, supporting business growth. And then look at the chart. It's not going there. Mm. Is it? It's really held back for some, whatever reason it is, it's being, hold, uh, being holding back there. But I, I, look, yeah, I, don't, I haven't studied this in great detail. Mm. Um, just looked at it for interest sake more than anything. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm not, I was just, I was just look, um, was looking at some of the economic data out of Singapore and recently, and talking okay. to one of the one of our students who's um, into mergers and acquisitions and all that sort of stuff. He's now moved to Singapore permanently, and um, I was chatting to him only the other week, and he works for some of those big firms looking for capital raising the technology sector and everything else, and he said it's booming over mm. there. So to me, that means it's going to play catch up pretty soon. Well, look out for that. And Shanghai Composite. Um, very interesting, this chart, and I, I find this fascinating. It to is, study. isn't it, China? It's interesting. Oh, look, you just, uh, if we see a strong move above this high here, this is actually July 2019, and you'll note that I'm talking about August and July highs, mm. April um, this year. These are really important milestones for any market. Now, mm. that one is going to be really important to see a nice strong close above that level. Now, we've got um, the S&P 500, um, uh, one yeah, year all night. <coughs> That's Johnson & Johnson you're on now. Oh, I've flicked to the wrong one, have I? Where are we going? No, no, no. That's just the watch list. So you finished oh, all the you stocks. Didn't. I finished. You haven't got the 500 for me. <laughs> oh, no, I went no, through Johnson & Johnson and a few other stocks the other day, actually. Because so the Dow's only, um, what, 30 stocks or something, isn't it? The so Dow's 30 stocks and uh, Johnson yeah. & Johnson is part of that. So okay. it's also Johnson & Johnson is one of the top 10 stocks in the S&P 500. So we've got, we've got um, S&P 500 in here, so we should have a chart for them up there. Yeah, we do. That's the SPX. So yeah. it should be up there, but it's pretty similar to the Dow. It's not a lot of difference between that and the Dow. The overall there's shape, a little yeah. bit of there's a little bit of um, divergence, convergence between the two occasionally. Yeah. But um, pretty much there's the same sort of thing. All right then. So we've done that. We've we've finished that now and we're moving on. Okay. So let's go into some of the emails that we've got. So we we've got about three or four three emails I think this last week. So thanks to everybody that sent them in. Now the first one is from uh, somebody who was named after me, a person called Dale Thomason. So I'd like to say no that. favoritism. No at all. favoritism. That's why he's first. <laughs> um, he says, "Afternoon, Dale and Janine. Could you please review Citadel Group CGL? Um, I don't own this." Um, but uh, so we'll bring that up at this point in time, Citadel Group, and we'll have a good look at this. Um. All right. Now, um, there's no surprises which chart we're going to look at first. So here we go. Um, we're looking at a massive decline here on Citadel. Um, so a fall um, of, okay, what have we got there, Dale? Uh, about, what, 60% or so? Yeah, yeah. Dale's saying he's owned. He's um he's been keeping an eye on it for the last couple of months, um, and from what he can see on the monthly chart, it might fall to 
um, as low as $3 or potential further, and he won't be buying it until it shows some improvement over the coming few months and rises above $5. So he's doing some good analysis on it. Okay. Saying he's waiting for it to fall to that low of $3 and then waiting for it to show a new uptrend. So I think that's smart. You know, that's why he's, I mean, he might have a four letter Christian name, but he's quite smart. <laughs> okay. Now, why why the $3 mark? That's what I'm interested in because... He doesn't explain it, but then you know, that's okay. Now, unless there's something um, awry with the chart, there's a big gap in the chart. The first thing that I would do is obviously check that the data is up to date. And that's what we tell our students when they're doing their analysis. Mm. But stocks will often come back and fill a gap, especially on a monthly chart. So the risk on the downside is that it could come back to that level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if it stays where it is and finds support where it is, which it may do. I mean, there's, there's some support levels across here that might be important for it. But you'd really want to see it get moving in the next month or so if it's going to get going because it's already taken out that low in June 2019. And to me, that looks weak. Yeah, but I think mm. the smart thing is it's regardless. Like I had somebody today on um, the YouTube channel with a comment asking me about a, a pretty ordinary stock. You know, how they bought it and it's fallen ever since they bought it. Mm. You know, and when will it go? And they were asking when will it go back up? And I went, well, you're asking me when you're going to be back in back in, back in profit, profit get your mm. money back that's what you're asking me you're not asking me when's it how how's it going to okay. rise so you want people to be direct with their questioning well no it's it's that's the question we get so many times from people isn't it? it's like yeah. well when's this going to rise well i said to him well can i ask you a question how long is the piece of string because it's not about whether mm. the stock rises or falls it's what your process is and what you're doing about it and dale says well, I think it's going to go to three dollars yeah because but i'm when, not going to buy it till it comes back as up. an individual when you're in the trade it's mm. all about the 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 the, um, the fear of losing of loss right mm. if if something is in loss and losing more or waiting and hope and pray that it's going to come back above yeah but in reality what you're missing is that that's one trade in a whole series of potential trades that you ought to be making if cool. you're active in the market but you're making it like it's everything and it's not it's yeah. just a stock and you know I, I mean you don't compound a, a bad mm. trade or a bad entry into a stock you shouldn't have been in the yep. stock in the first place or people get into stocks they shouldn't have been in, then they hold them as they're falling, and then they sit on them for ages and mm. sometimes years waiting for them to get back up to their buy price because they don't want to realise the loss. Mm. Whereas realising the loss is the best thing that you can do. The quicker you do it, the better, because then you can have your money going somewhere else. And would you rather be in another stock going up 50, 100% than sitting in a stock that's losing you 50, 70%? So what you're saying is. is set a stop loss and just be black and white about it. Yeah, mm. it's, it's too emotional. They're going, and yep. it is, it's just an ego thing for us guys. It's like, oh, well, I got it wrong. So I don't want to realize the loss and, and admit that I've lost money and I did the wrong thing. You know. Let's... Well, from here, I mean, it doesn't look much, but it's mm. another 33% down potentially to come Correct. back. Now, no. he's not in this. And as I said, yeah. that's no, what I'm saying. I mean, it may not fall to that level, but it could. Yeah. But mm. No, but Dale's being smart. He's saying, I'll wait for it to fall and yeah. come back up again before I buy it. So that's what I'm saying okay. is he's got a good process. Now, he may yeah. not have his entry and exit rules perfect yet. Yes. But at least he's waiting it from the go from $3 to $5. So that's, you know, okay. $3 to $5, that's a fair chunk. That's about 60% move. Okay. So, of $3, so isn't you, it? you're being kind, aren't you, in this situation? Well, I have to be. He's got the same name as me. I know. I was thinking there was a bit of favoritism there all along. <laughs> cool. um, looking at this, you can see we've got a nice trend line there. Um, down there. I might even be able to get a tighter one in there. Not sure. Maybe not. The students out there, you tell me whether you can. Um, I already know. So looking at that, we could see it to close above the line at some stage. It's yeah. possible. Let's move on to the next email. Okay. Ready? As yep. We've got another yep. email in, in here charge. from 
Craig, who said, Hi, Dale, I enjoy the show and have purchased your books and videos last week. Awesome. I took out positions in Rio Tinto and FMG. Position sizes were 1% of my portfolio. The materials sector on the weekly and monthly chart looks good after bearish month in August. Both stocks have turned and are on an uptrend on both the weekly and monthly charts. Now, I've set a 10% stop loss on if my trading goes wrong. Craig Wallace. Good to set the stop loss, mate. That's fantastic to, to hear. I'm a bit confused. Why is that? Because he said his position size is 1% of his portfolio. I know. Portfolio. I, I thought that you would pick that up. Like, that's not even close to yeah. what we teach in the book or what I teach in the book. He might have, he might have been a typo. He might have meant risk with his 10% yeah. stop loss is 1%. If that's what you've done, Craig, then that's fantastic if your risk is under 2%. But if your position size is one percent, I think what's you need to read. You need to read the book again because what's the point? You're not going to make money. Yeah. Having you've got to have a hundred stocks in your portfolio, one percent position sizing, um, and that's way Maybe too. Maybe it many. was a typo. I'm going to give him the benefit. I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. He doesn't have my name, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm giving okay. him a typo. All right. Now I've just bought up one of the stocks. If we can switch mm. to Optima, that'd be great. Mm. Um, just to have a look at now. Okay, he's got 1% in there, so he's not making much on it in the overall portfolio, but it is 1%. Hmm. And look, the stock is still looking quite strong. It's yeah. just recovered from a big pullback here. Um, so then it's a question of, okay, you know, if you've only got 1%, how much could a rise of 10%, say, affect your overall portfolio? It's, very, it's working those sort of things out and then rationalising that for yourself. Um, but at the moment, it looks good. Coming up to resistance... We, I, I would prefer to see a pullback, but FMG is a type of stock that could just rip through any level. Yeah, it could. Yeah. So let's have a look at keep, BHP keep and Rio. They were the other two. Did Rio was it Rio was it? Uh, it's already Rio? there. It's already there. Have I put it? Have you put it in there already? Yeah, I've already put it in. I'm in. Jeez, you're I'm, organized. I'm in There's Rio. I thought you were going to say you're in control, and I was going to tell you you're not. Actually. I'm always in control, <laughs> even if you think you are. <laughs> yep. He can actually open a trap door down here, so I can fall through the floor it's, at any minute. Yeah, I've got a lever. Yep. All right, so looking at this here, we've got Rio. Um, still looks quite nice, even though it has had a bit of a pullback last month. Um, trying, it's holding up reasonably well at the moment, so Rio's mm. looking okay on the monthly chart. Longer term, still hasn't gone through the all-time high, given that our market's you know poised to go back up, and we're looking at a bullish run. But he was saying run. they're in an uptrend now. They've moved up, and they're not in. That's not. There's in, no uptrend. There's no uptrend on Rio at the moment. And yeah. What was the other stock? Was it BHP? You was looking at? Um, BHP. I'm not sure of what, what the other one was, but we can have a look at that one as well if you'd like to. Would yeah. you like to? Yeah, get we to can that? have a look at that one quickly. Just look at BHP. Why didn't um, you put that one in there? Can I ask? Well, I did, but it's in a different workbook. Because you haven't switched to the other workbook. But okay. I didn't want to embarrass you on TV. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so. so looking at the all-time highs that we have here, BHP, similar sort of shape to Rio, um, still below the all-time high, fantastic um, stock, but at the right time. You can trade this. It's a really good trading stock, BHP. Some people think they've mm. just got to buy and hold it, but we've talked in prior sessions about why you don't buy and hold mm. any stock and look at the decline. Well, if he's using the rules in my book, now you know the rules in my book because you okay. checked everything that we did in You'd the book. You'd be out. I think you checked it about three times, <laughs> um, everything in the book. But he's just buying in. Yeah, so well, there's no entry. Has he followed the entries in my book? Definitely not. No, he hasn't. So, well, BHP doesn't always work with the rules in your book, book by the way. No, but there it was part other of the rules, test. Which, if you do the course, you'll get to know what they are. Well, you make a lot more money, yeah. But, um, but yeah, right. From what I'm seeing, none of those stocks have fit the rules in my book. Okay. So, because uh, 
So Unless we go down onto the weekly chart, because we are on the weekly now. They're on the weekly. Well, oh, you were. Sorry, <laughs> there we, we go. Didn't see it. So let's move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. Right. So okay, we've see, got I am in charge. Question. Yeah, he is. Question number three. Do you want to do this one? I'll do this one. Um, we've got an email from Jerry who asked, "Dear, dear Dale, that's nice, dear Dale. I've read your book, Accelerate Your Wealth. Keep up with me, um, with great interest. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a question regarding the share trading plan." To buy a share, you recommend that a stock has formed two consecutive closes above a downtrend line and vice versa for selling below an uptrend line. So my question is, are the closes on a weekly chart or monthly chart? So interesting question, isn't it? Mm, it's all so to answer your topic. question, really, it's about um, whether it depends on the trading plan that you have. If you're looking, uh, my first book, uh, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20% was just one close on a, on a monthly chart. And that worked really, really well and it will still work really, really well. Um, with Accelerate Your Wealth that you've read, it will depend on your strategy. If you're more medium to longer term and you're just using monthly charts, it's one close. If you're using a weekly chart, it's always two closes. It's pretty simple. So monthly chart, one close. Weekly chart, two closes. That's it. Um, answer to the question, finished. Move on. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, you, you want to you want to keep going? No, no, we can look at the chat. So that's your job tonight, looking at the chat. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna control the mouse for a second, but you can go and have a look and see okay. what we've got on the chat. Thanks for it. And uh, uh, we I've can got have a, a bit of um, a look. Todd Martin um, yeah. written, wrote something. Thanks everybody for the comments on the chat. You're really keen, and it's good to see you all out there. Um, JP Morgan's being investigated for manipulating the metals markets. Um, interesting. I've, I've noticed that City and JP Morgan moving one of my stocks for. Um, Norge's bank client, gotta love it. Um, look, mm. I, I'd rather not comment necessarily about that one, but it's a good point that you've raised. It's something that, um, mm. you know, that there's always some sort of investigation going on about um, different companies. And I guess that the, the scrutiny that companies are under is a lot greater since the GFC. Yeah, it? It, it is a lot greater, but then it does, it's like a swings and roundabout, isn't it? It just keeps going around because the scrutiny gets tighter, then it gets looser, then it gets tighter, then it gets Every looser. Every cycle. It's just a cycle. Yeah. And, and that's why booms and busts happen. That's why crashes, that's why Ponzi schemes come and go. That's why all sorts of stuff happens is because it, they they go governments go overboard with regulation and then slowly the industry gets them to push them back and push them back and push them back and we've seen a big um, push in Australia with the financial services industry with uh, the Royal Commission and everything else investigations to everything but the government will eventually fold around and will start easing up things and then we get back into trouble again but um, uh, really, there's always manipulation of markets. I mean George Soros manipulates the currency market all the time so uh, don't think it doesn't happen. But what I will say to you is the charts will tell you everything that's going on because mm. the charts can't lie to you. It's unadulterated, pure fact charts, and that's why we use them. So I don't care who's manipulating the market. It's just looking at the chart because the chart will tell me exactly what's going on, whether I need to buy, sell, and if I've got rules around it, I don't need to know what JP Morgan's doing at all. I can just trade gold or anything. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. A and chart is a chart, isn't it? The chart is a chart because mm. it comes directly from the exchange and it lists every single price movement of the stock commodity. So what you're saying currency. is that, um, would you say you'd be better off to trade gold rather than buying gold? Yeah. Mm. I would, I'd rather trade gold than buy the physical gold because yeah. physical gold you've got to store. Mm -hmm. And you've got to pay the a gold to ETF store. or something like that, or well, I wouldn't even buy a gold a ETF. Stock. I'd just buy a stock that's probably mm. in gold. I mean, you could buy a gold ETF, but I'd probably prefer to buy gold, mm. a stock, you know, okay. or like a Newcrest or something like that, or gold. You can buy trade gold on a futures contract. Yeah. 
as mm -hmm. well. So I'd rather do that than okay. hold the physical right. or pay for an ETF. But no, it's a good question. Um, look, we've got a couple of really good questions here. Hi, yeah. guys. This is from Michael uh, Seji. Thanks, Michael. Uh, what are your thoughts on only choosing stocks that provide dividends for a monthly income? Now, I mean, do you mind if I start you on this one? You can go for that one. Look, you yeah. know what? It's historic, isn't it? That um, stocks, um, people have been buying stocks for decades to try to get a dividend income. And that's one of the, the I guess, um, the bait in my mind mm. that tries to lure people in. Because over the years, we've seen stocks that historically have not paid good dividends turn around and offer up a big dividend. And so then investors are encouraged to buy it maybe through their financial planner or they just see the stock and think, oh, gee, that's a good dividend. I'm, I'm going to buy that. But the thing is, you can actually make an income from the market relatively mm. simply without having to sit around waiting for dividends a couple of times a year, which is not an income Correct. really. It's just you're getting a little bit of a cash windfall each year. So, and the share price does drop when the when the stock goes ex dividend. So it's actually giving up the dividend. That's what the X means. Mm. Um, and stocks generally will recover after that, but they do often fall further than what the dividend value is. So, we actually look at um, trading for the income rather than waiting for dividends, which are you know not as um, consistently available, if you like. No, when you when you're trading for mm. dividend, you can take money off the table when you want to take it off. Yeah, and that's where a lot of people and you're just trading think, for income. Yeah, and you're trading for income, and a lot of people mm. use dividend thinking it's a it's an income stream. But you're right; it's only paid twice a year. Yeah, so I did I did a podcast on mm. this only about two or three weeks ago. So if you haven't oh, heard, that's a good idea. They can come if you haven't um, listened to our podcast, just Talking Wealth. Just type into iTunes Talking Wealth or Google Talking Wealth podcast, Dale, uh, and they'll come up. But it was about two or three weeks ago. But a, a high most people when they're trying to trade for div or get dividend income, they go for the highest dividend yielding stocks. Mm. Which are but, often. But they often, the highest dividend yielding stocks are generally quite often the worst stocks to own because they've got a high dividend yield because they're falling in price so heavily. And so you've got to watch what you're doing. A high dividend yield can be a sign of a stock that's falling in price. And so you're catching a falling knife because, and successful investing is about capital preservation first and foremost every single time. So if you've yep. got a stock that's falling away, and Telstra was the classic example mm. of this, it fell from 922 down to what, 325 or and something? And people kept buying it, and dollar buy cost it. averaging for the dividends. For the dividends, and we, yet they were losing money. We actually money. knew someone who actually, we, you know, we found out later because they came to us for help, but they actually had only Telstra. Yeah. And, and all their money was in the one. What's use of getting 6% when you're losing 30% on the stock? It yeah. just doesn't make financial sense to me. So don't, um, our I mean, our advice is don't just do stuff for dividends. Yes, you might need some income, but buy and sell a few stocks. And as you buy, sell stocks in profit, you put some money in the bank and that's your income for the next three, four, five, six months till you sell the next one. Well, and the have, dividends become a bonus. We have clients that ring up and mm. say, look, um, I want to take five grand out of my portfolio. Yep. So they're taking the money so they can use that to live off or go yeah. and have their holidays. Mm. And that's what we teach traders to do is, you know, bank up some money for your living expenses over the next three, six, nine months. And then as you're trading, you just keep putting more money in the bank. So it's always got, you know, three, six or nine months, whatever they decide in the bank, it's already there as they're trading and keeping that and they're just drawing that down. So, that's so, really what so we do. think outside the box is what we're saying. Don't cool. just listen to what the industry have been prattling mm. on about for years about we, getting dividends. Did you want to look at one more before? We can look at one more and then we can get into tonight's topic. Um, yeah. It looks like debt. 
de Sherwind, I think. Hi, Dale and Janine. I got your book, Dale, on beating the managed funds by 20%, and I'm hoping you can look at Coles, C-O-L, and Len Lease. It looks bullish, but I'm not sure if its run is coming to an end. Thanks, Don. Okay, okay so Coles. let's have a look at that, C-O-L. Yeah. And what else have we got? And Len Lease. And Len Lease. So you haven't put Coles in yet. You've got to click. Oh, there we go. There you go. Sorry, you did it. And Len Lease. It's good that you're keeping an eye on whether I'm doing this right oh, or not. No, I've got to watch you. Okay, Chartle. <laughs> okay, so we've got COL. Um, you can see there, nice strong uptrend on coals. So that's looking much better than it was. Now, I don't know if you guys, we've talked to you about this before, but when stocks list on the market, often they'll uh, fall below the issue price within the first 12 months. Now, uh, this this is what happened with, with um, coal and then it recovered. So that's why it's best not to own them necessarily in these um, floats or to try to buy them in early. Say, for instance, you didn't own them when they first floated on the market and you thought, oh, Coles, I shopped there, I might buy the, their shares. The best thing to do is to actually wait until the trend starts moving up and then go with the rest of the market. So it's a higher probability of being right. Do you know right. why that is? Why what is? Why that happens. The, the fall. Oh, yeah, why they fall? Oh, it's got a lot to do with institutions um, mm. and, you know, whether institutions take up the stock or not and them shuffling their portfolios and the weightings in mm. the um, institutional portfolios. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, I mean, this is a big stock because this used to be Coles and Meyer together. You thought you were going to catch ago. me out then, didn't you? Uh, no, no, no. I was just making sure you're on the ball. I mean, you have been away for a few months, so I, I thought I'll just test He's you testing out. Me. <laughs> But sometimes when it's a company, it's when's the best time to float your company and that's when you're going to get the most amount of money for it yeah. before it falls away. Uh, and we saw that with McGrath Real Estate. Mm. It fell quite heavily. And Maya, Maya. And oh, Maya gee, has classic, been falling for years. So mm. that sort of stuff. But it, that really does happen. So again, don't buy floats. Well, basically. this is looking quite nice now. If you're in it, I'd stay with mm. it. It's not a buy right now from, you know, from my book. No. Um, but it looks good. And Len Lease. Len Lease. That um, looks great, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looks good. I mean, it's just rocketed away here mm. recently, but it's slowing down at the moment. So we may see a bit of a pullback short term on mm. the stock um, to test that. this this um, position here. But it may not come back that far, maybe between $15 and $16 cool. part right. of the pullback. So let's get on to tonight's topic. Okay, tonight's topic. Go for it. This okay. is exciting. Drum well, roll. I love getting into the topic. It's really, really cool. So, But tonight's topic, which is why the Australian stock market is um, poised for a record run. Now, I'm really excited about it um, as it means that this week we're going to cut through some of the hype and hysteria that, constant, nice yeah, it, that we constantly it? hear about in the, the Australian market potentially crashing to explain why we believe this is not going to occur. And this is some of the stuff that you've been saying in your mm. reports and in the media, mm. isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick of the rumours of recessions, crashes, trade wars, Trump tweeting, you know, and all the negative news. And so I'm really excited about tonight too. And one thing I actually wanted to say is that if anyone watching is purely basing their investing decisions on fundamental analysis, then you need to be aware that both Jenny and I are technical analysts, and that's what we do and what we share with you is based on this. And all too often I get comments from people saying, well, the fundamentals says this and the fundamentals said that. So and sort of saying that we're wrong. And it's not mm. wrong, it's just what the fundamentals are saying. And fundamentals generally lag what we're seeing on the charts. The charts are the leading indicators mm -hmm. of the economy and the market is the leading indicator of the, of the economy. And the economic news and the economic data changes after the market's already changed. So what we're looking mm. at is timing the market and actually working out, is the market moving up or down? And, and I don't know about you, but how many times have you had somebody who's a staunch 
fundamentalist that tells you you're crazy mm -hmm. and then within a few years of dealing with you they've changed completely yeah well, over the years that has happened <laughs> a lot it happens a lot in the media when you're getting interviewed they'll mm. often have been speaking to someone who's been talking about the fundamentals and then you've got a different view and mm. it's it's i guess it's good because we're trying to balance out the yeah. perspective out there yeah, and that's all which I'm saying to you. So you may have different views of the market of what's doing. That's okay. This is our view of what we're talking about, and we're just showing, you know, what the market can do and what direction it is, and looking at that bigger picture. And tonight we're going to show you why we don't think the market will crash, um, and to do this using Dow's phases of the market, which helps us determine the direction of the market. This week's topic's also designed to build on the knowledge that you learnt last week about how to identify trends in the stock market. Hope you enjoyed all of that. I did. Charles Dow, the main, the ma man, main man, the main man, who established the Dow Jones Industrial Average in 1896, was arguably one of the first analysts to truly define the com um, commonalities found in bull and bear markets. Interesting person, this one. Mm. He discovered that certain measurable trends evolved in the stock market over time. Now, unfortunately, he passed away before he was able to quantify and publish his full findings. Despite this, a number of Dow's associates combined his various workings into what we know today as Dow theory. Now, according to Dow, there are various stock market trends and patterns that unfold over time. However, the principle of, or focus of his work is to identify the primary movements of the market or what is referred to as bull and bear market. So that's what he came up with. Now, each primary trend encompasses three phases right. which reflect the market behavior you are trying to identify but it's important to understand that the market behavior is dependent on the time frame that you're viewing so take a short-term view of the stock market trends and you'll see why the experts are claiming doom and gloom because they're looking very short term as in every bull market there is a reaction that causes prices to fall away but when you take a longer term view, and you'll see why the Australian stock market is poised for a record run, as after each move down, the market rises to higher levels until the, until the bear market starts. So let's get into looking at the weekly chart of the All Ordinaries Index. You can see that I've marked several areas where the relative phases of the market appear to have completed, and the left side of the chart was a phase that looks to resemble rampant speculation. This image is early in 2017 and in a minute we'll bring up an up-to-date chart to show you what has transpired. Given that we're using a weekly chart, it's important to understand that the analysis only reflects the short-term medium view, which is up to around 18 months, although this is not a hard and fast rule. Later, we'll share the longer-term view of the monthly chart, so it's a bit opposite to what we normally do, but we have got a good reason for this. So let's look at each section on the weekly chart in more detail. The GFC and subsequent major low into March 2009 was the end of a primary bear market. That's what it's called. For those of you who understand bear and bull markets, it's going to be much simpler for those of you who are new to this. It's just something you need to listen to carefully. As Dow observed the final phase of the primary bear market, is distressed selling. So that's the end, the end of the cycle when um, everything's getting sold off and we see a crunch like what we did in um, 2007, 2008. In other words, all of those who hadn't yet sold, who have given up hope of a return to higher prices and started to exit the market. Now this can be seen in the chart with the sharp fall over eight weeks. So eight weeks in 2008, November 2008, the market then rose 
slightly for seven weeks in a secondary reaction prior to its final fall into March 2009, uh, just nine weeks later. So it all happened relatively quickly, but the um, initial fall was a signal, a very big signal. So around this time, educated investors would have been preparing to re-enter the market. But how would they know the right time to enter? Part of Dow's research actually involved determining the patterns that signalled the end of one primary trend and the start of another. You're going to be glad that you tuned in tonight. In the case of the start of a new upward trend, Dow observed a new upward trend will be confirmed when the market doesn't move to a consecutively lower low and high. In other words, a new upward trend is confirmed by higher lows and higher highs. Now, the opposite is true in bear markets, where a new downtrend is confirmed by lower highs and lower lows. It is the understanding of this simple insight that separates successful investors from the not so successful. Now, if you recognise the beginning of a new trend, you'll be in a far better position to profit from a trade and your results will improve dramatically. It's a simple thing. Mm. Now, I've marked the first instance where a higher low was confirmed. Now, this is the first box following the 2009 low, which indicated that the market was returning to an upward trend. This could also be considered the start of the first phase in a new primary bull market or what's termed as renewed confidence. A secondary reaction into the 2011 low, which is point B, the second box, followed the peak of the first phase in April of the same year. So you got all that? <laughs> Notice how this low took out the prior significant low at point A. Some may have taken this to be a return to a primary bear market given the significance of a pullback. However, the accumulation of consistent higher lows and highs into point C indicated that a return to higher prices was likely. Smart investors would have seen this and begun buying top quality stocks as we can see the market traded significantly higher over the next few years, breaking the April 2011 high and traveling in what appears to be phase two of the primary bull market. Now this is the improved earnings phase. So I can remember telling people at workshops that this is what we're heading into, but people couldn't see it at the time. No, they... Because they, they, uh, there was so much doom and gloom out there still. Correct. They couldn't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. And they, they were clad in their judgment or emotionally clad in the judgment by looking, listening to mm. the media, which is what was happening in the last couple of months. Yeah, but you, I, mm. I was trying to say to people, you have to trust the patterns mm. until they tell you otherwise. Don't mm. listen to that, the noise. Just trust the pattern. Yeah, well, they're asking me, why? how are you so confident? I go, no, because that's not the market. The way the mm. market's unfolding or the patterns the market's doing is not telling me that it's going to fall away. And people went... Wow, you're magic. No, I just follow this Dow phases. It's pretty simple. Mm. Uh, and it's our roadmap to where the market's unfolding. Now, we're doing this at a really, really high level right now. So, you know, we don't expect you guys to grab this. Um, but we do spend a lot of time on this in our course, in our diploma course with our students. So you really understand the direction and how the market's unfolding. And you'll remember I've said so many times over the last few months, we talk about price pattern time. So this is pattern analysis and helping us understand where we're going to. Because if we know, we know where we're going to and we know how it's going to unfold, then it takes a whole lot of the fear and risk out of the whole market. It's a roadmap, isn't it's, it? It's a huge roadmap and it's like going from Melbourne to Sydney. Yeah. First thing you do is work out how you're going to get there and that's exactly what we do. Yeah, so where the sky could be mm. falling in, but Dow's phases rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the high in April 2015 was possibly the top of phase two. 
So as the market fell into February 2016, now this implies that we should see a third phase in the bull market before moving into the next bear market. The market moved up strongly from the, the low in February 2016 in what seems to be phase three. So we need to look at this on, and you should be able to see this on your screen, which is the rampant speculation phase um, of the bull market. Now that said, remember we have used a weekly chart in this example. It's important to remember that all movements in a market are only movements of lesser degree of a larger trend. Think about that. Now given that we know that all movements are only movements of a lesser degree, then we can assume the upward move since March 2009 is likely to be phase one of a much larger move. And you can see that in the monthly chart on your screen right now. Um, so Janine, let's now bring up a chart of the All Ordinaries Index that shows everyone what's occurred since the end of these char charts up until today and then show them what we think, or, or should I say, how the All Lords will f unfold into the future. Because what I know is that when we draw, uh, and they've seen me draw, if you've watched some of my videos, like uh, my Monday videos on the market, you can they've seen me draw these trend arrows, mm. you know, these arrows, where I think the market's going to go. And people go, wow, it's doing roughly what you said it was going to do. Yep. And you know, and then Jim Beach in the US says, Dar, you're getting it right. All I'm doing is using my knowledge of this theory and my in-depth knowledge of this theory, just going, well, and how does the market and, and cycles things. and you know, the time price and, and pattern, uh, pattern mm. using my knowledge of that and going, well, it's likely to do this. Now, it may not be 100% accurate in terms of exactly when the high or exactly when the low is going to happen, as you hear me say every single week. You know, if the low happens here, the high is going to happen here. If the high happens here, the low will happen here. Yeah, because you don't need to be precise. No. To, you don't need to quote a figure on the market and no. say that's what it's got to be. Mm. I mean, that's just overcomplicating it. it like Dale's saying, you just need to follow a pattern mm. about how you think it's likely to unfold. And then when it does unfold that way, then you're, you know you're on the right track and you just continue that process. Correct. It's just about how and I think sometimes mm. we get these guys that go, oh, I think the market's going to hit this price. And so they're so fixated on yeah, that. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? You know, mm. you're not trying to buy at the lowest price, the very lowest price and sell at the very highest price because that's so hard to do. You need mm. to put a lot of work in to do that. But it's It gets about a lot of attention though, doesn't it, when people quote levels on the market? Oh, they do. And, the, the and that's the thing. thing and some people say, how do you think this will go to $10? I go, yeah, good. Could go to $10, but it could go to 12 yeah. So, but what are you going to do? And, and to go back to that gentleman I was, or person I was speaking about earlier about where the mark, where that stock was going to go. And I said, even if I said to you it's bullish or bearish, it's not going to change what you're going to do. You're still going to hang on to it. Mm. If I say it's bearish, you're not going to sell. If I say it's bullish, you're still not going to sell it. Mm. So why do I need, why? It's a bit of a mute point what I think about the stock. But knowing how the market unfolds actually mm. allows you to dis make decisions about Correct. what you want to do with your portfolio, not worrying about levels. Correct. So looking mm. back at the chart. So let's. So what we've got um, on the chart of Optima, we've now got a monthly chart, which is current data, which is today. Um, yep. So it's got today's data in it. And we can see it goes right back to 1982. And here's the GFC low here. So if I just scroll that up so they can see the more recent stuff, I've just used a few lines. And this is what Janine was talking about in those earlier charts. And so we've had these secondary moves. Now, we've had another secondary move here. So it was going to go up. And all we're doing now is on a smaller time frame having a secondary move before it moves higher again. And so we are looking at this market saying it's still bullish because that's our previous all-time high back there at 6873. And in July, 30th of July, we just beat that. So looking at Dow's phases of the market, this really is just phase one 
of Dow's phases in the market. So we still got a long way to go. Or we think the market is longer term bullish. Now, I don't think the next biggest fall on our market's gonna happen until about 2023, 24 in that bracket somewhere around that. So I think the next one to two years is still gonna be quite good on our marketplace. And yeah, that's factoring in what I'm seeing on the chart. And as I said earlier, it really is talking about what the charts are telling me and what I know and how things unfold on the charts. And that's really what I'm talking about. Yes, the world's, there's lots of debt in the world. Yes, there's um, low interest rates around in the world. Yes, there's China trade wars. Yes, there's all sorts of economic and fundamental things. But like I was chatting with Jim Beach, I think it was last week on the US, he does look, you know, there's people talking about bad news, but the news is not as bad in the US as what people are making out. And it never really is. But as Buffett says, buying doom, selling boom. You know, this is the time to be buying and, and really do work on that. So, but um, I look and scrape. But um, let's now get back into, I think we've got to get back into the charts again now. Oh, sorry, the into chat the for chat. I'm doing. Yeah. Um, look, I've got a question here. Um, hi, Dale and Janine. Thanks for the great content. This is from Brian Law. Mm -hmm. Love your show as always. Just want to know your thoughts on buying New Farm. Looks like a medium term I hate trend it. is about to begin. I'm only joking. <laughs> I like that stock. Don't uh, buy it because I might. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so there's New Farm. Now, this has really been laboring for some time. It has. We've been watching this for a long time and really were turned off. And there was there was some controversy around New Farm and there was potential takeovers and um, things went wrong for New Farm. But look, the price seems to have settled at a really important level now. Um, the $5 mark is an important level mm. for the stock. It's trying to recover. I think it's starting to look quite nice. You'd want to have some really nice, strong rules on it. There's no confirmed uptrend just yet, um, but it's starting to look good in that direction. So if the trend turns to up, then it would be an indication that the, the medium term trend is likely to continue in the upward direction. Mm. So um, it's a stock that we like. Plain Thanks. and simple, isn't it? You've just got to have good rules on it and, mm. and do some back testing. So who's next? Um, who's the next victim? Next victim I is... I like this. I don't do much, do I, when you're doing this? Okay. That's pretty um, good. What's your opinion? Uh, this is from S. Anthony. Hi, Dale and Janine. Been watching for a while now. Oh, thanks very much. What is your opinion on the proposed banning of CFDs and any effect it will have? Uh, look, I did a podcast on that yesterday, mate. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a, a discussion paper or out by ASIC at the moment. I don't think they're going to ban, they're not going to ban CFDs. What they are is changing some of the rules around what the providers can do and how they treat individuals now. Which is um, great. I don't think the podcast went out today. I think it's going out next Tuesday in our um, e-news report, I think. I think they, we did, I did two podcasts yesterday. One went out in today and I think the CFD one is... You're just keeping them informed? Actually, no, it went out. I think it, no, it might have gone out. So if you haven't seen it, go into, as, it, as I said, it's a podcast. I talk about the whole thing, what the what the ASIC's doing and what the... Um, criteria, I think there's six or eight different criteria it's about how they're quoting, what their platforms are doing, what they're, um, how they're marketing those, not offering incentives, a whole range of things. But I don't think they're going to ban them all together at all um, because really a CFD is just a form of futures contract. It's simple. Um, there's nothing too much about it. And by cancelling them or banning them, then it's going to push more people to the FX market and I think that's bad. Um, I think people should be looking at the stocks and having CFDs on them. But um, but I don't think it's going to, any of the changes will take effect after, uh, say anytime, sometime after our 1st of October, but I don't now, really know Just for know people who is. don't know, CFDs are a contract for difference and it's, mm. it's, we're basically talking about leverage. 
Uh, so it's a contract over the underlying asset, which could be a contract on BHP or mm. Commonwealth Bank or whatever the stock is or market. Um, that's okay. Look, I'm just appreciating people who are at a different um, position in the yeah. whole journey. Well, if you don't understand them, then there's no way none you should be trading them. No, and look, some people think that they know how to trade and then they go and trade oh, the leveraged markets before they've just traded cash. You'd be better off trading really small amounts just in stocks, just to get started. And then when you actually are successful for a year or two in stocks, then move into the CFDs. Um, you know, I really can, I, I mean, I can say from my experience mm. and from the experience of watching other people, particularly around the GFC when all oh, that yeah. was happening, um, there were a lot of people who were just jumping into CFDs because they could get access to the money. They didn't fully understand what it was. It was like this new novelty thing yeah, it is. Um, on the market. And, the, and it was just leverage to us. You know, it was just using borrowed funds to us. Yeah, but I don't know how so many times I've spoken to CFD mm. providers or FX providers. And, and the turnover. And the turnover people. of clients they have. And it, it's a fantastic turnover. It's a great business model because people just give them money and then they end up it's in their in their revenue for the year because yeah. you know, every like I've met and been in every CFD provider and I've, like every week a new broker's approaching us for us to recommend people to them and I keep saying no because you know brokers are aptly named um, from that point oh. of view but um, <laughs> but uh, but I find people go out and try and trade CFDs and FX before they even know what a had even spell CFD, yep. and all they're doing is pushing, giving. They might as well just write out a check and give it to their to their broker because that's what they're doing, um, giving the other side. And ninety percent of their clients lose money, yeah. right across the board. And it doesn't matter who the who They've the actually who tightened the up that, You know, they'd already started to tighten things up. They need to do that years ago. Oh, I know. Just years the, ago. Just hearing hearing some of our students who actually trained hmm. um, in trading, um, who who told us things that were happening with some of these. Um, CFD providers and and big name brokers that they would um, set default settings in the system and so if you if you didn't know what you were doing yeah um, you would get caught out trading an over-the-counter yeah. um, CFD instead of a direct market um, CFD which there's but a they big, don't tell you they don't that yeah. you, the average person opening a CFD account or FX account does not understand that they've got different classes of clients and depending on what class of client is you, is what, mm. how they treat you, and not talking about whether they make your cup of tea, I'm talking about how they treat you as a trader and what they do with your trades. Yeah. Um, and they do have settings in the back end of their software to click on it. If they don't want you to make money, you won't make money. Mm. That's how they do it. And it's perfectly legal because they've got parameters they're allowed to work into. Um, but you need to be a lot smarter than them. Uh, and that's really the point of it. But let's have a look at another few more questions. But uh, great question. Anyway, I thought it was good. Yeah, look, there was one here from Harvey Norman. Uh, Anthony. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Anthony. And thanks to all you from guys. From Harvey Norman? On Jerry. Harvey Norman. Oh, on Harvey Norman. Okay. <laughs> Jerry Harvey's a classic, isn't he? Hmm? Um, but thanks to everybody for the comments um, that you're making. Some great comments hmm. here. And just for appreciating the show, we may not be able to get to all of them. We're doing our best. So, um, Anthony, hi, guys. Looking at jumping into Harvey Norman. Trending nicely. Looks like it broke above a resistance level. It does. So I've got Harvey Norman, if we can just switch to the chart there on the monthly chart, you can see the long-term picture for Harvey Norman. There's this high here at um, 4.59 um, and prior highs here in August 15 and so on, which I think that level around 4.6480 could be a little bit of a headwind um, for the stock in the shorter term, but it's looking good bigger picture in terms of its push towards the all-time high. Nice uptrend there on the stock so far. Um, 
But notice how the number of bars moving up, it's sort of slowing down a little bit and then the moves down on the downside are getting longer. So that's something to watch for to see whether it's really got the momentum to go higher or not or whether it's going to slow down. How do you think so the rights you, issue, was it rights issue they've got happening in the next few weeks? Um, yeah, that, that's a, a really interesting one. Is it a rights one. issue? Yeah. I know there's a corporate action. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, that rights issue. Um mm because the price that they're quoting to um, pick up the rights is $2.50. I know, which, it's way down. Um, it's way down. So look, it'll be interesting, but it's only a small percentage in terms mm. of the overall value of the stock. So it may the, cause the amount it of capital fall away for a week raising. or two. Yeah, so it could actually come back um, as part of these rights issues when they're we like announced. It. Yeah, okay. so we like Harvey Norman. That's Next the one. bottom line. Oh, you want me to do another one? Yeah, oh, I want great. you to do five or ten more. Like, these guys are paying big money to do this, for us to do this. So. Okay, um, here we go. Um, what oh. air, what um, impact on a share price does a mm. share buyback have? This is Brython. Um, really great question. It generally supports it. It mm. basically holds the share price up um, because obviously they're taking um, excess capital and they're buying back their own shares now. There was a, I did a podcast on it. I'm doing podcasts on everything, Jeez. aren't I? I did a You're podcast. Full, yeah, I did it last week. I think it was. <laughs> it was on. Um, um, full of knowledge. I, I I'm say. just full of it. Um, but I did a podcast last. I think it was last week. Um, basically commenting on Josh Frydenberg came out. Our federal tre treasurer came out and talking about companies not be being short-sighted and not thinking about productivity and growth. And okay. it was all about, there's a you know all these buybacks and, and extra dividends and things like that. And so I did a podcast on that. So have a watch of that again. So it's designed to keep shareholders happy, particularly institutions. Correct, it's not about growing the business. It supports the share price so that the, 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 the management gets more bonuses pretty much half the time. Mm. Because if you've got all this extra capital, why wouldn't you grow your business by putting it into something that's gonna uh, reap benefits, you know, two, three, five, ten years down the track for your company. Yeah. But what they're doing is they're pandering to the big end of town and paying out dividends or buying shares back and to a, push and the a, share And price a big, up. big broker fund mm. manager once told me that what happens in on the back mm. end, which mm. you know it's business, I guess, and they're they're a big shareholder, so therefore they can put the screws in mm. and try to influence what's happening. Well, so I've tried, I, they I, do. Yeah, well, I was wondering whether that had an influence on what Jerry Harvey was doing with the the rights yeah, issue and be. the way that he, that was all set. Yeah. So that would have been designed and by. I, I know that. House. I know annual shareholders meeting is just they're just a foregone conclusion before they walk in the door. Yeah. The management team there's there's a, there's a whole statement is no surprises. Mm. There is no surprises on a on a shareholders meeting. So everybody goes and talks and gets on the microphone but everything's decided before they walk in the door. Well, that's actually one thing I like about Jerry Harvey mm -hmm. is a bit outside the box. He is. You know? So, and he really challenges them and doesn't necessarily pander mm. to, in the past, he hasn't no. um, pandered to them. No, no, um, Keep going. So looking at that, uh, you talked about the buyback, what yep. impact does it have? And the next question, Joe uh, McGovern. Thanks, Joe. Do you think IMF is just about to retest a recent high um, and he's got a price in there of 350? So let's just have a quick oh, yeah. look. Um, I don't think I've looked at this one. Okay, IMF Bentham. Um, looking at this company, we can see that it's a really nice strong move up out of this resistance level that it's had in July 2019. But often when companies move to, mm. or share prices move to new highs, they'll have a retest, yeah. which is what's happened here. So looking at the monthly chart, it's still pretty obvious, I think isn't it's pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah, but I it looks know. nice, bigger picture. It's closing picture. high already this month. Yeah, so looking at it now, I'm just gonna have a look at, we've got volume on this so we can see what's happening. Um, looking across the board, mm. so say there's about a million, 1.2 million, say, shares a, a week. Overall, we, it's, it's a reliable figure, taking out the peaks that are in there. 
uh, on a three dollar stock or three twenty or something. That's pretty reliable. Yeah, but it's not a huge company, um, so it's a smaller cool. company. So that's something to bear in mind in All terms right. of liquidity. Two more stocks. But it looks nice at the moment. Two more questions. Okay, two more and questions. And you'll squeeze three, right? What are your thoughts, Paul? Um, thanks, Paul. What are your hey, Dar? What are your thoughts on EOS? Um, it had huge growth. Is this sustainable? All right. EOS. Yeah. So let's have a look at EOS. Okay. I think I've. I don't think I've seen EOS in the last few weeks. Okay, electro optic systems. I think we looked at this a long time ago. Yeah, we did. So this has just gone ballistic. Now this is a Whoa. sideways consolidation. Does he say where there is in it? Um, or should I stop interrupting? No, you? just what are your thoughts? It's had huge growth. Is this sustainable? Now, no. generally, no. These moves aren't sustainable, especially for these sort of um, Ill more illiquid type stocks. So, mm. the idea is to have a relatively tight stop loss on something like this. But sometimes they can keep going. So you don't want to um, cut your profits too short. Think about what's the best way to manage uh, this. If you're not forward. in it, don't get in it. If you are in it, set a stop loss. It's not simple. a it's not a stock I would use with a trend no. line actually. No, um, at all. You need other rules for trading this one. Next one. Next one. Okay. I'm push, keep pushing here. Can you please check out Warley? That's um, Geppert. I like Warley. Is, have I pronounced your name Gepard, correctly? Yeah. He's I a hope. regular. Hi, Geppert. Yeah. Hi, how are you going? Um, so where have we got Warley? Warley? That's a really great stock. Good choice. About um, a month ago, I did a contrasting between Warley Monodelphus, the Aussie dollar, and commodity prices yep. for our students. Oh, that's good. I did good a whole view. recording on that. So but that these guys don't get to see it. So you're just, no, 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 you're no. just hanging a little fish out there and then no, dangling it's a carrot. It's carrot. a carrot. I don't like fish. They stink. <laughs> no, I have yeah, a carrot. You, is that why you run away when I get the sardines Absolutely. out? Absolutely. You get sardines all the time. <laughs> Janine has her lunch sardines. It's healthy. Um, I know it's healthy, but it stinks. <laughs> okay. Now, looking at this, you can see here we're talking about more than stocks. Um, Wally, we've got resistance across here. Now, this mm. is something that's really important to understand. So this is the price side of the analysis that um, we're looking at with Wally. So bigger picture, we like the stock, but short term, it's down. It's mm. made a lower low here. So I wouldn't be um, you know, liking it right now. It, yeah. yeah, too early at this point. Um, but if you're in the stock already, you better have a stop loss just in case it um, decides to go south. Um, cool. Last one. Yeah. Okay, better shut up now. Um, Next one, we've got Dale and Janine. It would be great to hear your thoughts. This is Ben Edwards. G'day, ben. Hey ben. On EML, it's a company I was watching for a while and I got in at around 360 um, after they reported strong results, but they've pulled back slightly. Um, ben, I hate to tell you, but that's no surprise to mm. us. Um, that's no, what happens after normal, companies report. Yeah. yeah. So if um, if a company reports good results, historically, you know, sell. I can remember reading um, the shares magazines when mm. I first started. Gosh. This is a long time ago. I don't think it even exists I anymore, too, does yeah. it? Yeah, it does. Does it? Oh, my no, goodness. No, no, it doesn't. It all got merged. Shares I got merged. I think I kept a copy, first. so I should dust off the yeah, cobwebs. Money magazine used to produce shares and they got merged into the one. Yeah, okay. Mm, so, look, all come from you know, and, and you realise later on that you, you're getting the news when it's too late. But yeah. look, if, depending on where you bought it, it's done really well. Um, I think you said it's just pulled back since you've picked it, uh, which is fine. I mean, it still looks good at this point to yeah. me um, until it pulled back. I'd say, look, I'd be a bit concerned about it if it starts coming back into the $3, yeah. three twenty mark. But at the moment, it's all right. It's I'd all expect right. a bit of a move down, hmm. temporarily at least. Um, cool. So that's EML. Um, then on. we're looking at, what you said doing? I got one more. I, that was your one more, wasn't it? No. You said I can do it. Yeah. James Neville. Um, hi, yeah, Dale. If you set an initial stop loss when purchasing a share and then the next two weeks it closes below the trend line, um, is that a point That's of sale? Stop loss. <laughs> initial stop loss when purchasing a share, the next two weeks it closes below the trend line. So I think they've mi missed something here in terms of initial stop losses and trailing stop losses. 
Yeah, because how if you, if you're buying on a trend line, how does it close below the trend line unless it's triggering your stop loss anyway? So again, your stop loss is fifteen percent below your buy price. Um, that's a guide. Like, that's a guide. But wait, you c- come and do our course, and then you'll understand mm. exactly how to set the initial stop loss and when yeah. to use a trend line. Um, Always, 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 when you first get into it, set your stop loss. And if it trades below that, get out of it. Um, That's your risk management. Yeah. Just because a stock comes below the trend line doesn't necessarily mean you need to sell it because it might only come below it a little bit during the week and then go back above it. Well, the other thing is mm. it may not have a current trend line. Well, or, probably, or the trend line could be miles to. away from where your, your buy mm. price was and therefore mm. it might not make sense mm. to use it. Yeah. So there's all these sorts of things anyway. Yeah, there's lots of variabilities, but I think we've yeah. um, finished the we, show. Oh, we, oh. We're just at the end. I'm just getting gonna, started. I know, you're gonna, I know you get warmed up. So, But um, hope you've enjoyed. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> you're just getting started. Uh, yeah, well, you've been away for two months, so you're raring at the pit. Oh, look, there's so many more questions. There's some great questions in I know, here. but we just don't have oh. enough time to do them. So, Because uh, okay. I'm on holidays from tomorrow morning. Actually, I'm on holidays within about three minutes. So, <laughs> um, But hope you've enjoyed tonight's show, and thanks for participating. Remember really to show your support for what Janine and I are doing and share this show on your social media with your friends and colleagues. Like uh, the more you keep sharing it, the, the better the show is. And remember, hit that subscribe button down that big red one. Um, hit that one so that you're showing your support for the show. But next week, I'm not going to be here as I'm on holidays week. I'm heading off to the Philippines for a bit of business and then I'm sitting on an island for about eight days while Janine does all the hard work because I've been doing it for the last two months. So <laughs> uh, you're going to have a very special show with Janine. Uh, Also, make sure that you put this show on your calendar so that you're back online next Tuesday at 7pm. If you cannot be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Well, that really does bring us to the end of the show. Now, we hope everyone has enjoyed it as much as I have. And uh, as always, thanks for taking part. We'll see you again next Tuesday at 7pm. So goodbye, good luck and good trading. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.